Hey, everybody. We're going to do some reviews this week. We're going to talk about The Boys. And we're also going to talk about a new Tool album. So get ready for us to give our opinions about stuff that you may or may not care about. I'm Tim. I'm Mitch. I'm Jason. And away we go. So many people might not know, but I canceled my Netflix subscription back in May because there was nothing worth watching. And I recently redid it because of uh, Chappelle's new special and Bill Burr's new special. But during my time without Netflix, I got to see a real nice gem on Amazon Prime called The Boys. I know, uh, Mitch, have you seen this? I did. I really liked it. Yeah, so it's based off a a graphic novel called The Boys, and it's it's pretty one to one with the characters that they got. I I didn't because I've never read it. I've never read a graphic novel, so I won't be speaking like as a like a fan of that or anything like that. But um, it's like the concept is if all superheroes were fucking assholes, which I really like that concept. Like I think Unjustice played with that a little bit, but didn't go far enough. The boys definitely goes pretty fucking far with that concept. Yeah, because I mean, it's not not just about them being assholes, I think, but more of like, what if they were real people? Yeah, real people, and they would do horrible things, especially yeah. like uh, within like the first. I don't think I think this is a spoiler because if you watch the trailer, it 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 happens within the first thirty seconds. So like the main character's girlfriend gets obliterated by basically the boys' version of the Flash. Like he's running too fast and he runs into her and she explodes. And then like all the all the superheroes are like run by a shitty evil corporation, so they clean it up on the news, and that kind of like sets the story for the rest of the show. Which I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty awesome. It's really, really, it's really gory. Like, it goes beyond the Netflix Marvel shows in terms of, like, blood and gore, for sure. Would you agree with that, Mitch? Uh, Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Which was kind of fun to see. Because you don't usually only see that in movies. You know, movies R-rated. are like... The only Netflix show I can think of that I've seen that was that did that was Altered Carbon. Yeah, for sure. Which I hope they do another one of that. Actually, Netflix should do that. Um, But um, what I really I really liked about it. So uh, I'll give you a a brief summary of the show. Uh, Basically, this guy gets his girlfriend killed and the the corporation that runs the superheroes tries to cover it up. And they try to pay him off with like a measly sum of like, I don't know, it was like 15 grand or something. What was it, Mitch? You remember? It was like a really small amount of money. Yeah, I think I think it was like 20 or something or 20 yeah. grand. Or- and so he ends up by accident joining this like hodgepodge of like basically like killers that all they want to do is kill the the shitty superheroes. And all the superheroes are like, they're good, but they're they're like superheroes ink. They they do things only for the betterment of themselves because they're basically a, a, a massive corporation. So they have all kinds of PR and news agencies behind them. And uh, they, like, <laughs> they all have their own publicist, basically, and they only do good things if it makes them look good. Yeah, like there's one scene where uh, there's uh, like a plane gets hijacked. And so the their version of Superman and Wonder Woman go onto the plane and the Superman dude just like obliterates people with his laser beam eyes, kills the people that hijacked the plane, accidentally kills the pilots and neither him nor the Wonder Woman chick know how to fly a plane. And so they're like, well, this plane's going to (laughs) crash. And uh, the the girl, the Wonder Woman, is like, oh, well, can you like, can you go out and lift the plane? He's like, I can't lift the plane. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, and he's like, no, we're done. Like, <laughs> everyone's on here is going to die. I can't do anything. So they just leave everybody on the plane to crash because they didn't want to be there. 
Yeah, it's the the ruthless fucking assholes, except for like the the newcomer character who is like also like the love interest of the of what the I guess you could call. Would you say the, the I'd say they are both parties are antagonistic in this, like the boys and the the superheroes. I wouldn't say the boys are like the heroes. They're like anti heroes, but but I I feel like they both come off as villains in their own right. Yeah, I'd agree on that. Yeah. But um, it's interesting, too, because one of the things I liked about it is all the people on the on the, the boys, except for one person, is just a regular dude. Like, nobody has superpowers except for one member. So they always have to come up with creative ways because their whole their whole point is they're going to kill superheroes. Like, they there is no there is no um, middle ground, at least for some of the members. Like, they're they're going to kill them because they're assholes, basically. So they have to come up with creative ways to do it because a lot of these superheroes are invulnerable. Um, and so I thought it was interesting. So one of the the first guys they get, I'm gonna, we're we're just gonna spoil this because this has been out for a while. If you haven't seen it, fuck you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like a personally attacked Jason. Yeah. Well, it's because you're a bitch. It's okay. It yet, but you know, I don't know if it'd be your cup of tea. I don't know, but. The way they so this this they get this guy who can turn invisible, but his skin is basically carbon, so he's basically invulnerable from anything on the outside. So what do they do to kill him? They shove a bomb up his ass because <laughs> his ass is vulnerable. Yep. <laughs> so like, was that like inspired by the way that they thought uh, they thought the Avengers would beat Thanos or what? I know. I mean, this graphic novel came on the early 2000s. So it's a pretty much a one for one, except for the ending part. Um, one for one adaptation. Except for the ending. Nice. So, no, that that was old school. So uh, the Ant-Man goes up Thanos butt and expands. That's. You know, its own thing still. It's OK. <laughs> Is it uh did the way they end it, is it um they didn't they didn't leave it open for more series? Is this oh, just no, self-contained? They, end, they ended it for to leave it open for more. So they changed okay. some things around that were I because I did some research in the graphic novel. Certain characters were were supposedly dead in the graphic novel, but they those characters are not dead and they, they flipped the script a bit to keep it ongoing. I'm not going to spoil the fucking very end of it, but yeah, that would be a dick move. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. But beyond that, uh, from what I've seen from fans and people who read and just reading the wiki description of the original graphic novel, it's a one-to-one. So, uh, yeah, I really fucking like Carl Urban a lot. He's like one of my favorite, uh, action actors of the modern age. I think he's, probably the action actor for me besides like the Jason Statham's type or Vin Diesel, I guess. But um, he was really, really good as uh, the butcher in this. Uh, he freaking stole the show for me. Um, I really liked the, the French guy they got, the, the Israeli guy that plays the uh, Frenchie. I really liked him a lot. Oh yeah. His character was great. He was really good. Um, I, I didn't think I'd like him at first and he grew on me real quick. Yep. Um, Mother's Milk, I think could have could do some better, but was generally like the conscience of the group. Uh, so it was definitely needed there, and the female, I think, will have way more backstory in future seasons. Uh, and then there's the the main protagonist, which I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? The actor or the character name. Uh, Huey. Huey, yeah, he was good too, and he had some. He had a, like a he had like a side thing going on too. So apparently, you know, he had, he had his main goal of getting revenge against his girlfriend, but then he had this side romance with a superhero, and it's kind of it's supposed to be like, oh no, here's the gray area. Like all not all superheroes are dicks because here's a good one. Da, 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 da. So, did you know that uh, that's Dennis Quaid's son? No, I didn't know that. Yep. Really. I thought it was funny that Simon Pegg played his dad. Hi. Okay, so when you saw when I saw Simon Pegg in there for the first time, I was really thrown off because he didn't have uh like a British accent. Right. 
it was really, really weird. I don't think I've ever seen him without a British accent. Me neither. But you know what threw me off, though, too, is I don't think Simon Pegg looked old enough to be that guy's father. In my opinion. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, he was just real young. I don't know. Maybe. It was a different, it was a different time back then. A different time. I had a kid when I was 17. Yeah. Could happen. But uh, I, I will say that the way that it ended without spoiling anything was uh, I was not expecting it at all. No, I know. And that part was not in the comic. So that's the new stuff. Yeah. Which is cool. I think it's I think it really opened it up for more. And I think uh, it'll be interesting if if it was one for one for the entire series up until that point or for, you know, for most of it. Um, I'm curious to see how season two will go since they won't have any, anything to base it off of. Yeah. Um, I think they still have material to go through. I think, I, I don't know if they did all of it, but they're going to have to change some things around. Definitely. Um, but I couldn't believe that Amazon had a real big hit on their hands. Like I've seen some of their other stuff. Like I like the Jack Ryan show. Um, I I watched the tick, but that got canceled after two seasons. And it was kind you of know, funny. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I never actually watched the tick. And I want to say, I think where they went wrong with that one is they released like the first episode. And then it wasn't until months later that they released the actual first season. And for me, I lost like I, I saw the first episode when it first came out as the the teaser or whatever but then it took forever for the actual first season to come out after that to where i had lost interest and i still haven't gone back to watch it because like i was really into it but then it just kind of waned away from me yeah i i think that might have been a mistake in their part they were trying to do the anti-binging and binging thing where they're releasing the first season in increments of six episodes or something like that so like the first half six and then later on the, the rest of the half and I mm-hmm. think people did lose interest. I think you're right. And they did. I don't think they did that with the season two. But. Yeah, but by that time, it's probably already too late. Yeah. Thankfully, they didn't do that. The boys, they, they gave us all eight episodes, which I wonder. I wonder if eight was. I wonder if they only did eight episodes because they weren't sure if it was going to be a hit or not. That could be because uh, that's the same thing that they did with another show that I just watched. Uh, Carnival Row is another Amazon Prime show that just recently came out that has uh, Orlando Bloom in it. And it's only eight episodes long, long as well. Yeah, because I, I don't know how much of the market they're actually capturing. So they're, they're probably trying to do, put these feelers out there to see if they're even worth spending money on. Yep. And then it wasn't, I think Jack Ryan was only eight episodes too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So... Which I think is actually pretty interesting. Anything Tom Clancy is interesting to me, though. So yeah, when well, they just announced uh, season two in November. Nice. Yeah, I mean the Jack Ryan show is pretty is pretty high production value. I thought. Yeah, it's pretty good. So the boys is pretty high. I thought. Oh, speaking of production value, though, they did Homelander, the Superman character, like believable as hell for a TV show. Oh yeah, for sure. Even his fucking laser beam eyes, believable as hell. Yep. Like wait, like us wait, like not not like two steps above, like ten steps above, like a CW superhero show. Yeah, they're they're definitely throwing they being Amazon is definitely throwing money into these shows. They really want to capture that audience. Yeah. <laughs> so uh if you have every single Aquaman joke you can think of. They may, they make the Aquaman character, the, the brunt of every fucking joke in this fucking show. <laughs> like big uh, time. When that, uh, when that girl was in his apartment, whatever, when he got oh, relocated, God, no, she's no. like shoving her fingers in his gills. Ew. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to spoil this for Tim. So there's this part where this Aquaman character, uh, I think his name was like, what the hell was his name? The Tem- uh, Tempest? No. No. 
what was his name? High Tide or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. He, he was the, res- deep. the deep. He <laughs> was rescuing a dolphin from like an aquarium. And he's got this dolphin in the back of this van or a truck or whatever. <laughs> and he's spraying it with a spray bottle, but he, his power is to talk to dolphins and it's insinuating the dolphin when it was attracted to him. And then he gets into <laughs> a car accident and the dolphin goes flying through the window. <laughs> It's so bad. And then there's this other scene too where he talks to like a crab, like lobster at a at like a a grocery store. He's like, Oh no problem, I'll save you. So he goes to buy the lobster and then they chop the lobster's head off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, the guy can't win. So it's it's worth seeing. It really is. Like once you know, Tim. Once you get some Tim time, you should you should watch it, Tim. That's awesome. It's, I mean, uh, is it meant to be humorous? Because the way you guys are describing it sounds quite humorous. It's got moments, absolutely. It definitely have, it has its funny moments. Because like yeah, everything I think about they made it that way. Yeah, yeah. But it's also got some really creepy stuff too. Okay, like really creepy stuff all right so um yeah take you take you through those highs and lows yeah it's definitely violent as hell it's got weird creepy movement moments it's got its funny moments like yeah it's a good combination and it's definitely a good satire i think of of superhero films and and movies and comic books and it came out back in the day, so it's not something recent. They go, "Oh man, I hate all these Marvel movies." It's just what happened. It's like, "Hey, let's." I really it would be funny if the producers like, "I really hate all these Marvel movies. Let's make a let's make a show where we make fun of superheroes." Like, no problem. We got this comic from the early two thousands that did already did that. Sweet. <laughs> so maybe we'll see more of that going forward. People getting mad at the Marvel movies because there's just too many of them. Yeah, I agree. It would be cool if they... I mean, I don't know if something else could come out that's another satire for it, if it would be... I don't think anything else could come out that would be as good as this, right? And then it would just be kind of kind of maybe, a copy. But Maybe that Watchmen series, but I don't trust HBO is going to do that thing justice. No. It might be good. You know, I don't know. But I don't... Like, that one didn't really seem like a satire... Because isn't that based off, like that's based off of, but like loosely, uh, a well, comic, right? The original comic is a. I think it's more of. A, I think I. I would probably describe it more of a parody of superhero culture from the time it was written in the eighties, gotcha. late seventies, eighties. So what I think they on the Watchmen, what I think they're adapting is a more recent story that Alan Moore had nothing to do with. So. I have no idea what they're going. It could be something. It could be something completely original too. But I, I think they're adapting what it's the the story is called Doomsday Clock, and it sucks. Hmm. So we'll see. So uh, you heard of this band called Tool, Jason? Yeah, I've, I've heard of Tool. They've had like you know, what? How long has it been? Freaking. 2000 years it was like the pyramids were being built when they had an album last out something like that 13 years right 2006 so they released a new album and uh i went ahead and i went ahead and listened to it i think we talked about before our excitement of the new album specifically how I thought that this was like the only album that I would buy like the physical medium of. So, but, but you did that, right? Yeah. Um, I think as of when this podcast posts, like you still actually can't get like it. They basically went on pre-order and then they weren't available anymore. Um, and like everyone just turned around and sold them on eBay for like a hundred dollars. Um, so they did a very limited offering. Um, 
So I'll start there. The physical, the physical album is actually really interesting. It's like a video, a video booklet that has, if you, if you open it, it has a bunch of their artwork, a bunch of cool stuff like that. And then literally a LCD screen that plays a video the moment that you open it. Uh, and it's like, it's just like your classic tool video of just like a bunch of visuals, a bunch of interesting stuff and kind of like ambient music going on. There is literally a actual CD in here, um, <laughs> which, you know, I thought that was, thought that was novel considering like I would, I would half expect for something just to have a, an insert for the digital release, which they also have that. Um, with the album, you can download the digital copy of it. But surprisingly, in addition to the artwork, the actual insert booklet, which is like a big old booklet with a bunch of art, also has the lyrics for each album, which is different than any of their than their previous albums. They didn't, they don't typically uh, put the lyrics with the songs. And like in previous, previous album releases, it's been kind of like a, like you go to, like people would go to like the tool forums and argue about what the lyrics are to the songs, which was kind of a funny experience. Do you, you think they did that on purpose then? They didn't, they didn't include the lyrics for, for that very reason to cause people to like fight with each other? Yeah, I think it was more to, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's more just to keep it like mysterious or whatever. Cause like some of like it, tools music is very interesting compared to other music because uh, the singer Maynard uh, sees his vocals, not as vocals, but he sees it as essentially another instrument in the band. And the way that the vocals play out, are like really match that philosophy where like if you were if you were just to take the words that he's saying away it would like it would just be like another instrument playing like you could re replace what he's doing with like another guitar playing the melody that he's singing and it would be an interesting song um there's very like and so like the, the way they tune his vocals kind of make it so that it blends into the rest of the music rather than like standing out like a lot of bands where you know like a band like just off the off the top of my head like you're talking like where like a new random new metal band that is playing whatever whatever kind of just generic rock music like you can always hear the lyrics really well whereas like it's just not that it's just not what they try to do with tool um so I thought, I thought the physical album is really interesting. I think it's worth the money. Um, if you have, if people have a chance to get it and like that sort of thing, it's definitely worth it. Um, in terms I'm, of, I'm ahead. surprised it came out on streaming so quickly. I was, I thought they, they were gonna, I thought they're gonna wait. Yeah, they actually like it's posted on. It was posted on streaming like the same day, and I think it's posted. If I'm not wrong, I think it's actually posted for like for for on like the regular spotify like you do now i'm looking at it right for now free, like for yeah, free with ads or whatever yeah which yeah that was sort of that's sort of interesting um i don't think spotify offers think different music yeah the only thing that's different between spotify yeah. is if you okay. listen to ads or not well because i i know that there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, artists that don't like that, so they won't put their stuff on Spotify for that reason. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they just omit everything, I right. would imagine. Yeah, but yeah, it's sort of interesting. They just decided, like, screw it, we're going to make money off of our concert tour, is my assumption, right? Like, And they released the full album, which is pretty cool. And funny enough, though, one interesting tidbit, so the physical album... If you look at the track list, there's 10 tracks. The physical album only has seven tracks. So all of the 
the actual the digital version of the album has uh three extra tracks which are which are all these uh like kind of like filler tracks i'd probably say that have little like seeks into the next thing and whatever um which is include they have that a lot in their albums there's the only essentially the only short tracks on the album are not actually songs <laughs> really yeah yeah they're like uh like ambient music or like uh the one that's called litany against fear or litany contre le peur is uh that one's like uh like a really interesting like guitar he's like making the guitar like almost talk with how he's with what how he's like tuning it it's very interesting um but yeah it's not actually a song <laughs> you think they're gonna play the so you got a concert here coming up here in a month you think they're gonna play that entire album i doubt it you don't think so yeah i think that i think they'll probably pick some of the highlights off of the album like they use, they typically don't do that at any of the concerts I've ever gone to. Like they'll just they'll play some of their hits. Like you know, everyone everyone's gonna want to hear like some of their some of their bigger hits. So like that's why they go to a Tool concert. They have such a long album list now. Uh, I mean, some of the standouts on this album, I thought that uh, I thought the song Numa was really interesting. It's and, a Numa Numa song. Well, it's kind of, it's you know kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's not the Numa Numa song. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's not that one. Uh, it's Numa as in like, as in like the, cause like, if I'm not, if I'm not wrong, like in Greek, Numa means breath, right? Well, ask, ask our, our resident Greek art expert over here. I don't know if it's pronounced that. I don't know if it's uh, pronounced uh, that. I don't know. Yeah, not like <laughs> fully. It means do not in, hmm. in Romanian. That's interesting. Yes, it is the Greek word for breath. And when I looked up Numa, I forgot that there's a character in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 named Numa. Yeah, so it's been associated. So it means breath, but like it has a connotation meaning like spirit. So like the song is actually talking. It's actually interesting. I think like the the whole album kind of has a common thread to it because it's like the lyrics in this one are talking about how kind of all of us are like one of the one of the lines is we're all born of one breath. Um talking about how like we're all we're all really coming from the same coming from the same thing ultimately and we're all spirits connected to a body like a lot a lot of the tool stuff is very metaphysical that way um but one it's just a good it's just a good track very like musically interesting but also like the the lyrics on that one are kind of like stood out to me a little bit i thought that was interesting um which then like as you go as you go further in the album the next the next actual song is called invincible which invincible has like this almost story that's being told of of some old old warrior who's seen better days and is still trying to be still trying to be relevant in a modern time and like of all the songs in the entire album that one that track interests me the most in terms of in terms of like from a lyrical perspective because it's like like on like on a shallow part you could be you could be he could be talking about himself just talking about how like himself or the band tool itself is just trying to be relevant it's like a metaphor for that i i actually wonder like if you take like the entire kind of like thought of the album if it's even talking about something even more grand like you know modern modern politics in the united states standing in the world and stuff like that sort of interesting 
things to think about if you get that kind of deep in thinking about lyrics of songs like I do. Um, the actual, the actual music uh, itself has a lot of like it's very the same style as Ten Thousand Days. Like we're not they don't they don't get back to their roots of like having music that has like that very that very hard like rage to it that their earlier stuff had. They've kind of settled on that new on that new style. I think. I don't know what what did you Jason did you as you if you were to rank all the Tool albums like where would you put like their earlier stuff versus things like Lateralis and 10,000 Days. Well, so here's the here's where you're going to hate me. Um I've only picked and chose certain songs from Tools that I've liked. I've never just went through and and listened to an entire album. Okay. So some That's of my favorite funny. songs are Eulogy, Stink Fist, Learn to Swim. Um Stuff like that. So, like, I've never went. I I'm I'm like that with all music, though, and this that's why this newer age of music works for me because I prefer a single with a couple songs, not an entire album. Like, it's not a journey for me; it never has been. So, I'm the wrong person to ask that. <laughs> well, just based off the songs that you picked there, like your favorite songs sound like they're from their earlier stuff. Correct. Because absolutely. Like, Stink Fist and Eulogy are from Undertow, and then... I thought that was from Enema. Uh, Stink Fist was from... No, Stink Fist was from Enema. And, and so uh, is so Eulogy, I thought. Eulogy... Because Intolerance is on Undertow. And so is Prison Sex, which is also a good song. But Eulogy, I swear to God, is from Enema. It is. All right. It's All track right. two. Well, look at that. Yeah. But I, I actually haven't listened to every single song in Enema. So I just have one of those. Yeah. So like I, I, I like specific, like I, I'll go through them. And if, if it doesn't like, so I can see where this is where me and Tim are different. Like he's definitely into lyrical stuff. If the musical part of it, the melody and the chord progression, chord progression, all this stuff doesn't jive with me, I'll usually skip it. And that's with all music. Yeah. I typically how I because like the first time I listened to the album and I wasn't even listening to the lyrics at all. Um, because I actually think like um Dan Carey's like drums in this in this album are like on point. Like both of those songs that like New and Invincible like have some like really interesting musicality to them. Like different time sing changes and like there's like definitely more analysis required to really like understand what they're doing there. I do think that being said, I will, my favorite album that they've ever, that they've ever made is lateralis. Yeah. With like, like, cause like, I think what that was that in my mind is their quintessential album. Like going that, I don't think, there's one track in that whole album that isn't amazing. So that's like the peak for them for you. I think so. Yeah. And I like, like I liked 10,000 days, but it was like, there's something, I don't know what it was. I think for me, whenever I, whenever I was listening, where I listened to tool, especially lateralis like that, that whole album has like kind of a progression to it. Like lateralis, it has, it starts out like with, with a song called The Grudge, which is just like this ridiculously heavy, heavy song, super, super like the the lyrics are like laced with emotion and rage into you get all the way to the end of the you get all the way to the end of the album with the culmination of the song Lateralis, which the song itself has like this crescendo of emotion that ends ends with a uh ends with like essentially a resolution of that emotion and like musically and lyrically and it's like which is really cool because the actual song itself is like based off of the fibonacci sequence mm. um so like the time signatures are changing constantly in the song it's like a musical masterpiece in my in my opinion um 
which is why they won a Grammy that year. But uh, yeah, and I just don't think that anything they've done since then has really like caught that same peak. Like they've done stuff that's really good and matches like some of some songs are really good, but not like the whole thing. And I think, you know, this, you know, Fear Inoculum, I think matches matches that kind of thing where like it's a it's a it's a good album. It has a lot of like interesting songs that I that I enjoy and really like, but it's not like like it's a it's a it's a four point one out of five Tims, whereas Lateralis is a five five out of five Tims. That makes sense. Like, especially if you've already reached your peak on the album. Um, for me, like, I always just rate individual songs. Like, I don't know where that came from. Um, but I just did. Like, I, 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 one of the things that used to irritate me growing up is I would buy full albums of various artists. And I honestly think only two or three songs per album were really good. And so eventually I would just start seeking those two or three good songs out and just in every music musical artist I listen to and just listen to those. You know what I'm saying? So but that's so it's hard for yeah. me to rate an entire album without just saying, Oh, I like these songs. But yeah, it's definitely I guess an end of the the an era for a massive tool fan though, right? You think they're gonna do it they'll ever do another one? <laughs> I don't know. Like I feel I feel like like they're all getting they're all getting pretty old, right? So I think another another like honestly, I feel like another album from them would like they're only going to it's not going to get better. They're not going to make like another quintessential album, you know what I mean? Yeah. And well, and and the industry has changed a lot too. Like for some of these older artists, they still do the traditional method, but Newer producers, you know, especially like single producers or even people who still do the traditional band, they just they usually don't release entire albums as much anymore. They just do LPs and EPs. Right. So like going forward, this might be the end of an era of sorts, if you if you get what I mean. Yeah. Which I mean, that's kind of sad be considering like the kind of like amazing music because like. Like you say this about movies a lot. You think that like movies that are coming out now are shit. Like I think a lot of music that comes out now is shit because it's the kind of music that is just like they're trying to get a a bunch of YouTube hits. They're trying to make they're trying to get views on Facebook and getting, you know, like it's well, so it's trying me, to get that, me, that social going. Yeah, but let me clarify. I think movies coming out of Hollywood are shit. Yeah. And and I would agree with you that what the mainstream industry is producing for music is shit, but there are plenty of good artists out there. You just gotta go looking for them. Yeah. And like, I would argue that's probably the same thing with a lot of movies too. You have to go find. Oh, that's, that's why I, that's good. why I watch indie stuff and I watch things, foreign stuff and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, cause the thing is, it's like the problem, this is a two, this is a twofold problem. Um, both industries will only mass produce things that they feel are safe. It's true. Yep. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, they stick to the same scales, same chord progressions. And then now, for example, with popular music, they're even kind of eliminating the melody sort of, and just, and just doing just like almost like a rap type thing. Like if you listen to some, some of the, the newer pop music, it's, it's not, even it's not rap, but it's fucking close. Um, so yeah, like it's kind of an end of an era on both of yeah. those aspects. Yeah, T Swizzle doesn't even sing anymore, Mitch. I know it's, it's sad. It's ridiculous. Well, it's not her fault. It's her producer's fault. Whoever's making her music for her, they're telling her, "Hey, this is what sells. This is what you have to do." Which is kind of funny when, if you look at, like, if you want to use her as an example, but I'm sure the same is true for, you know, almost everybody. Like for her, she was writing her own songs, and she got big off of writing her own songs. Mm -hmm. And so now if she does have a producer, if, if that's writing the songs for her, like, I don't, I don't know if that's true or if she still writes her own songs and she's just wanting to go the way that she is. I, I, probably, I don't know. She probably collaborates on her own songs right. now. Be my guess. So, so if it is true and then, you know, someone is, she's collaborating and has a songwriter or whatever. And they're, and they're doing that to, 
because well, that's what so sells and I that's can, under what's contract contracted or whatever for she's her definitely corroborating because i just saw the biggest name the biggest producer on the planet helps writes her song is a guy named max martin okay well so they i guess my point is it kind of sucks that if that is what she's doing and it's probably because of whatever contract that she has or whatever you know that might be what's selling but it sucks because that's not what made her big which is funny if you go i'm looking through her discography and she was the sole songwriter on everything up until it looks like around 2011 and then these ghost producers if you want to call them that songwriter sorry kidding max martin's the biggest name on there max martin has written probably every single big pop song you've ever listened to ever since the since the 90s he wrote baby one more time by britney spears um he wrote a ton of nsync songs i kissed a girl by Katy perry this guy is a fucking legend and you no one oh. knows who he is nobody knows who he is wasn't that girl who came out with uh I forget what her what her name is, but she came out with like a single a single song. She was saying that she wrote a bunch of those hits. There's plenty of producers that are like that. Yeah. Um, she wrote. American Girl. I don't know who that is. Who's Bonnie that? McKee. Hmm. Yeah. She came out and she was like, oh, I wrote all these songs. Because she went, she got, she went on like uh, a, like a tour for her song. But then she was also talking to everyone about how she wrote all these other popular songs. And I think she wrote a bunch of people the wrong way. Yeah. Well, so like, here's the thing. So Max Martin, for example, is very capable of creating really good music. The problem is the people who finance that music don't want him to rock the boat. If that makes sense. Right. Uh, because like, hey, only write the good stuff. Only write the good stuff. And because they the industry is pretty much changed. Like I don't even know if if Tool was coming up nowadays with them the way they are now, if they would even be popular in, in the tr in the traditional sense, they'd have to self publish. Right. Like I don't even think Radiohead has a label anymore. Well, I mean, tools definitely, they're also like a product of that grunge era in the right. 90s, right? Like, like that is, that is, is a whole different industry than it was yeah. during that time. It's, it's changed a lot. So, I mean, it's, it's changed in a good way, though. Like, if you're a solo producer, you can make a, a decent extra living on top of having a normal job, too, by making music. Whether that's selling your own music or selling music to other performers or whatever, you know, like a lot of people make a lot of money selling beats to rappers, up and coming rappers. And there's not, they're usually royalty free. Usually they're making like 250, 500 bucks, but the ones that do have a contract, they make good money. Like you can make a lot of money now. It's just, it's, it's just like the old traditional method is dead and it will keep dying. So that's just my opinion on that, but. But my whole point was that these two these two mega industries are they will not do anything that's not safe. And I think I read an article the other day too that all of the newer movie ideas and stuff like that is just going to come out of streaming. Like the, uh, going forward movie movie theaters will never go away, but they'll people will only go to them for big spectacle events basically. And you'll get your 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 more experimental, you know, stuff on on streaming. Like how many people do you know watch those Adam Sandler flicks on Netflix? You know, I didn't even know uh, about, I didn't even know about them. I watched the one with him and Jennifer Aniston. Was it funny? I mean, it wasn't like horrible, right. but it wasn't the, you know, the best Adam Sandler movie that I've seen in a while. But Netflix is get... pumping out those movies like crazy. Yeah. So like, and they're not in theaters. No. And part of it, I think Netflix would like to put those in theaters, but apparently they won't let the theaters have a thing where they won't let them do day one on Netflix and theaters. They have to delay it. Netflix won't delay it. 
Yeah, I think the only time you're ever going to see a Netflix movie in theaters is if they're trying to do something with the um, to win like an Oscar or something like they had to do last year. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's uh, a, it's a little sad. It's end of an era for Tim. <laughs> hey, I mean, like these these bands. You know the people are the people are getting older, so in the the industry industry changes. It is what it is. Doesn't mean I can't go and listen to their old stuff and still like it. Yeah, and you know what? Um, one thing about the music industry that I, current music industry that I think is a good thing for when video games, for example, go go inevitably will probably go straight streaming is that. Even though most music is digital now, there are still these subset of people that demand like vinyl and stuff like that. So it makes me give hope that we'll still have physical, at least at least physical files of video games when they go full streaming. Just to have that small subculture that will pay a lot of money for it. You know, vinyl is not cheap. Yeah. It's forty, fifty dollars sometimes, or more. Yeah, it's true. So. Well, and especially nowadays where like there there isn't really a reason to buy a CD, right? I don't even have a CD player in my car. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you if you're going to if you want to buy music because you want to support the artist, then you're just going to buy the digital copy off of, you know, iTunes or whatever. So buy the album that way. If you if you're wanting to buy it because you want to buy uh physical, then you're going to buy Final. the album. And and I, I just saw an article the other day that was saying that vinyl sales have surpassed uh, CD sales for the first time since like the 90s or whatever. Yeah. Some, I don't remember what date, but. Oh, yeah, God, that's hilarious. Well, it's it's sexier, too. On yep. like, you know, what I'm saying like uh, instead of having like a shelf full of discs, having that big vinyl fucking sleeve and the artwork and all that stuff and like i said i usually buy vinyl at concerts and usually it's signed so that's cool too yeah it's like a collector it's yeah. like a collection thing like i well, i think, not e- i think it's great yeah not even that though if you're a guy like me likes to play around music production and you got a, a vinyl player that connects to dj equipment it's good for sampling too it's great <laughs> That's a lot true. of a lot of people go buy old vinyl records from the seventies and sample them and change them around and do stuff and then clear the sample and turn it into something completely different. So, yeah, I'm actually pretty optimistic where the music is going, just because I know there's a ton of good artists out there that aren't mainstream that kick ass, and they're and they're making their own businesses. Like, it might be that you can't be a billionaire buying a bunch of tanks and fucking partying constantly but the way that it is now you can be a small producer and make a decent living like a modest living yeah so the playing field just be evened out a little bit i mean i think what'll happen eventually because like the whole all of like the grunger stuff was like a it's like a reaction to the way that music was going at the time Mm -hmm. so you'll have that kind of stuff happen again or like something new and interesting will come out because everyone's too interested in putting rap music into a pop song. So we'll have better stuff that comes out. Well, we, we already do, man. You should see the crazy genres that pop up. that are just super fun. Like, like vaporwave is hilarious. And, and uh, future funk is funny. They have like, they got trap, they got metal trap, they got emo trap. You got every single genre you can think of. It's, it's never boring for someone like me that likes to go down those rabbit holes. You know what vaporware is? Do you want me to tell you? What is it? You take old jingles from like Kmart or like Target or like elevators from like the 80s and 90s and then you you either slow it way down or speed it way up and then you 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 mix and match it and make it sound like something completely different. It's great. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And you take that shitty fucking do 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 welcome to Kmart like sometimes sometimes like I've heard people have like the the notifications from the store in the song it's awesome 
well, what uh, what what you guys think? Did you know that you can buy merch directly now from Spotify on the artist page? Hey, that's a pretty, pretty good way for artists to make money. Yeah, that's uh, pretty sweet. Like uh, this band I've been following for a while, uh, Port Noir. You can buy vinyl directly. I wonder how that works. Does Spotify ship it? Oh no, it goes straight to their website. That's cool. Oh, that's really cool. That's a good way to give money back to. Uh, yeah. Or that's drive like, sales to them. Yeah, and so those, I, I wonder. I doubt. I wonder if Spotify even takes a cut. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're coming up into games I won't be playing season until next year. Isn't that neat? <laughs> I can't ex- wait to not review a game that everyone else is talking about. Ooh, you know what game that just came out that we could all play? And you could play it for like a dollar right now? What's uh, that? Gears of War 5. Why is it a dollar? Because all you have to do is sign up for the Xbox Game Pass. I already have it. Well, there you go. And then you can you can play that game. For the so, low, low price of a dollar? Yeah. Is it good? I haven't played it. But, but how could we uh, go wrong? But I have the Game Pass, so I figure I might as well check it out. There you go. Uh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so... We won't be reviewing those games. I mean, I might review Borderlands 3. I have a friend who who's going to be playing on console. I might play with them. I don't know. I haven't decided, but I won't be buying it on PC. Fuck, fuck Epic. Um, did you hear, small segment, small before we end, did you hear that Borderlands 3 will have preloading, but Epic didn't build it? Gearbox had to? Yeah, I heard that they had to step in and help them out. that's hilarious yep what the fuck is up with that company they have more money than god (laughs) yeah it seems like a strange a strange thing to not i don't i don't know like are they just not putting money into that particular effort or they just not hire the right people i have no idea i don't know oh well but you know what you all should do? You should give us reviews on the tunes, the iTunes, and follow us on Google Play and Spotify. And uh, we are on all kinds of apps I didn't know about, like Podcast King. I had a friend ask me, are you on Podcast King? I was like, I don't know. Let me look. Yes, we are. We're on that. <laughs> Podcast aggr- King. It, it's an nice. aggregator. It's an aggregator that, that pulls RSS feeds. Like they, they must crawl through. Yeah. Subscribe to us on your favorite aggregator, man. Yeah, do that. So, and then if you're on the YouTubes, do the the like, subscribe, comment, hit the bell. Engage with us. Uh, Engage with Tim. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Bye. Bye.